It's Cofield and Company. Media center outside of T-Mobile. Wind is whipping, but we're safely inside. John Von Tobel is here. Yeah, we're at a fight media center. Boy, we haven't been at a boxing match in a long time. I was actually trying to count how many remotes we've done over the years from boxing and UFC combined, and I'm guessing it's north of 125 maybe? I'll have to go back and count. Really? Yeah, we've done a lot. It's well, my first one. Well, there was a run. I know it's your first one, and it's actually the first one for a lot of people. I could tell from Radio Row. Uh, there's a Dallas radio station here, and the, the young man who's doing radio for them is kind of taking in the scene and talking about the food and, and uh, just the setup here and what it's like inside. Because it's really quiet right now because we're out here for Errol Spence and Terrence Bud Crawford. That fights tomorrow at the Fortress. But the weigh-in's going on right now. So they're... In the media center, John, before you got here, there were probably, uh, I don't know, 100, 125 people uh, doing podcasts. There's some lights set up, uh, but a lot of the print media, I'm assuming mostly online now, they were all here, so they'll come rushing back in. There'll be a bunch of energy, and we'll see what happens. I mean, I suppose we could sit here and watch the stream. Um, the press conference, a little heated, right? Mm-hmm. Families and entourages involved, so it's a major fight, and we're going to Previewed at different times throughout the show. Of course, we got to get to a lot of Raiders news. That'll come mostly in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, we are going to talk to Brian Custer, who's on the call of the fight, in about 15 minutes. It's also a UFC weekend up in Salt Lake, which is always an interesting place to hold sporting events. So Dana White and company uh, have the uh, BMF title on the line. So good slugfest in their main event with Gaethje and Poirier. So we'll get to that later on. And we got Stephen Thompson, who is on the card, veteran 40-year-old. He'll be in the middle of the show. And, of course, Caleb Herring's coming up at the end of the hour. So, yeah, it's your first. You you never, even with Cofield and company, you never came out for a show, worked a show. You never did uh, engineering for a show, nothing? Nothing that comes to mind, at least. So, if I did, I just don't remember it. But you, By the way, you guys at VEASAN should be out at UFC in Vegas. Sure. Events more, probably more than us anymore. I would agree with that. The, I think the problem there is that UFC has now their own little gambling entertainment arm that they have uh, on Fight Pass. So I don't know uh, if, they would, uh, if they would enjoy that. Is Minty doing that? I think or it's is, her. Or is it Vegas Runner? It's both. As he call, I think he's the Greek now. He's not Johnny the Greek, I believe. Yeah, Johnny the Greek. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think it's both of them that, that run that. I think yeah, there's a third. you still be out there. I agree. You, you, guys, you guys talk a ton, especially if, you know, there's some other stuff falls by the wayside. Football's not active. I forget what card it was a couple cards back, and I'm like, man, they are doing – is it Dave Ross who's on? Dave Ross. Yeah, he loves it. Is our, I would say our – one of our top lead NBA, uh, excuse me, MMA guys that is at least regularly on the air. Uh, Lufa DeCaro does stuff for us as well, and we have some others that participate um, as part of the coverage. But I'd say Dave Ross is probably the lead host. They're both combat sports are great betting sports, especially since if you're doing it sure. in match, the swings from an odd standpoint are crazy. Well, that so I've always found that fascinating too because you don't have access to anything like from a points perspective. 
So what books are doing is they're really just watching yep. and just kind of gauging on their own like where they should put this price. Yeah. And I think that's fascinating because if you have a trained eye for combat sports, whether it be boxing or mixed martial arts, I think you'd probably make a killing in between rounds because wow. some books might. I think there, there's guys at each book that probably have an eye for it, but I don't think odds are going to be very uniform through rounds, and I, I think it's going to be something you can attack for sure. Well, judging is always unpredictable. So, and that's so the if the thing, price yep. gets too rich on one side – uh, and, and you're watching, and you're like, I don't know if that round or those. I haven't scored differently. Maybe I'm getting some value. Uh, either way, you know, I, I, I think that the fight is a blowout. And the book is scoring it like, you know, it's a 4-3 fight going into the eighth round. Um, I watched the UFC fight. I, I, you know, it's, it's not live. They're, they're taping uh, the Ultimate Fighter. But I watched a UFC fight. I think it was episode eight mm-hmm. uh, or nine on Tough. And, man, one dude just slaughtered the other guy in the first round and then second round he didn't fight as aggressively got caught and got destroyed yeah so the comeback the, like the comeback odds in that might have been real nice if it was actually a live fight but ultimate fight of their team i mean i think for me one of them was i think it was the first it might have been the first uh, max holloway volkanovsky fight it was one of them but the one where i think it was holloway who had won the first three rounds or you thought he did so came back and, and bet on volkanovsky and uh, at a big plus price because I thought, man, I was like, ah, you know, that third round, judging getting a little finicky. And sure enough, like, everybody was shocked. It was like, no, he didn't deserve to win it. So to your point, it got to a, blo- a bloated plus price. And I'm like, that third round was close enough that I think now Holloway won. Still worth taking a stab at it and got there. Damon's back in her Finley Toyota Studios. Damon, have you worked a radio row before for broadcast? Um, I did Super Bowl this past year in Phoenix with you, and I did a UFC for International Fight Week a couple weeks ago. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. So you got the feel. Yeah, I, th- I have a feeling of all the guys on the show, because Adam's done you know a ton of them too, Adam Hill, um, that you would love to be at these consistently. Oh, yeah. This is your cup of tea. Talking well, to Freddie Roach last week or to have however many oh, weeks sure. ago with the, for the UFC, I was like, oh, man, this is amazing. Yep. Well, we'll see. We'll, may- we'll make an effort. <laughs> you know, a lot of it. And the Thanks other for dangling reason, that carrot. Well, Gonna say, we'll see. <laughs> I, I like being out here. I want to make sure everyone on the show is enthusiastic about being at the fights. Not everyone on the show is a fight person. And then the other thing is most of these radio rows are on Fridays, and we're sold you know, generally for like 40 of 52 weeks, so it's a little more difficult for us. Maybe we could do a second show in the middle of the day and then go to our second location. Uh, maybe that's something we can build towards. But, yeah, I mean, I, I love the hype around big fights and you know we're not going to sit here and, and crush boxing for not making big fights frankly usc has gotten away from making all the big yep. fights it should and i always bring up when we first started uh, covering um mma back in you know 2003 2004 over on fox sports radio um you know we would sit down with dana white on the reg and he would use the line all the time like he's a big boxing fan but he's taking the blueprint from boxing and tearing it up mm-hmm. and a lot of that was about matchmaking and now they've gone a long ways in having war. I mean, they basically kicked their top-rated heavyweight out in Francis Ngannou. So uh, they're kind of doing the same thing. But when big fights are made, you got to appreciate it. Uh, In this case, this one's on pay-per-view. It starts tomorrow, the pay-per-view at 5 o'clock. They've got a big pre-show starting, I think it's 3, on Showtime. And these guys are unbeaten, and they probably could have and should have fought multiple times. Maybe this should be the second or third fight. But Spence has had some injury issues, car accident, and then some some eye issues, uh, but there's a big buildup for this one because they're both unbeaten. They both have different styles. They have a lot in front of them with a gigantic victory. Competitive fight sets them up really well, so this is cool. I Real mean, cool. I mean, look, this is why I was, I'm pleasantly surprised about something like this. 
because, you know, you know me, like that's been my biggest complaint. The sport of boxing itself, I enjoy it. You know, if you sit down and watch a fight, like it's awesome. Fighting's great and mixed martial arts and or boxing. The problem is always just that, right? I think wow. I was, was reading a preview and it was, uh, what is it? A, um, the O in the record is protected sometimes more than like diamonds and everything like that yeah, when it comes yeah, to some of these fighters because yeah. you don't want that to happen. Well, I mean, I look at the setup right now in terms of hype. Yeah. And, I've, you know, I've been here for like four hours, five hours. I've listened to a lot of the conversations and the shows, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not just about Spence and Crawford. It's a lot about the health of boxing. And believe me, that these topics have been going on sure. for 20 years. I'll have to look back at, you know, probably back to 96 or 97 when I was with Sports Fan Radio Network um, and having those conversations about matchmaking and what's going to save boxing. It's 25 years later. Boxing is still around. It's pretty healthy. Um, but as DeMond knows, a lot of the hype, like, we're fired up for Spence and Crawford. These are two real fighters. Yeah. Some of the thunder gets stolen away by YouTube guys, you know. And Showtime's in bed with Jake Paul as well, but, you know, Jake Paul and Nate Diaz. And Gano and Fury. And those fights actually, they, they kind of, while I think, well, I think the boxing match is going to be one-sided. I've said that already. I think Fury is going to destroy Ngannou, gas him out, knock him out. Um, there's an intrigue in Diaz and and Paul, but it's so low level in terms of the you know, pugilist boxing skills. Mm -hmm. It's it's a it's a weird vibe right now, right? Demond in terms of getting hyped for different fights because I think fight fans are going to love this fight, and then casual fans, which is where you really need to make all your money, they're more interested maybe next week in Jake Paul and Nate Diaz. Yeah, not even casual fans. I've heard from people who go to the actual events, the Jake Paul fights. It's more MMA fans because they love mm -hmm. the oddity of it, of, hey, Jake Paul's going to fight some former you know, UFC great. So it's a more of an MMA fan, not a boxing fan base that J Jake Paul's building up. So maybe that gets a couple of casual fans, but he, even with Jake Paul, he's not bringing in that, that pure boxing audience maybe that he would need to you know, continue this longevity so it's not so much of an oddity that, hey, he's just finding another former MMA star. So when I talk about the olden days, that's not a, it's not a pat on my back. I'm just giving you a historical perspective. Right. It's, in some ways, I look around and I see the advancement of the media, and I'm like, what are we doing? And then you sent over a story like this. Honestly, the, I, I, I always loved the fight game. You know, it's funny. Uh, we talked to Brian Custer a little while ago, and Brian Custer was talking about the barbershop and how the talk of, of uh, Spence and Crawford was big at the barbershop. And I actually always hearken back to, I think, one of the first fights I remember was one of the, listen to this one, <laughs> Leonard Duran fight. And I remember being in, I think, late elementary school or early junior high school and, like, at recess talking about that. So I've, like, I've always been a fight fan. So from a dream standpoint, covering all these fights over the years and being on Radio Rose and then being next to the Ringer Cage has been awesome. And I'm not, like, announcing a retirement here. But then you right. send over a story today and you're like, well, look at this TikTok person and what they're doing to make $7,000 a day. I'm like, what are we doing? I don't think I can do this. No way. I'm like, there's got to be something we can do. That's, I mean, that's it. It's literally just sitting in front of a camera and then just, like, doing stuff like this. It's just, that's it. It's like, just says phrases here and there. That's all she's doing. Like, right now I'm showing you. Well, it is a, a woman with, with huge cans. Well, and that's exactly what it is, though, okay. right? Well, so. you know what's funny? We're rolling video right now. Damon, what do you think of these? Look at these. Man, they're getting pouty. And what yeah, she's but doing Steve, here, by the way. You're not doing enough, Steve. I know, yeah. right? <laughs> well, I need to have a plunging neckline. I mean, these are like 52 A's at this point. But you need a gimmick, though, you know? It, they're, yeah. It's called non-playable characters. I think that's what the, that's what they're actually phrasing the, the uh, craze as. Non-playable characters. NPCs, yeah. NPCs, yeah. yeah. Where what? it's like guys are getting in on it, too. Oh, really? Yeah. It's so literally, 
in this video of the mine that I'm showing them. I don't know if you can see it. It's it literally, it's, well, it's her. It's it's alive. So what it is, it'll be a live stream, and right. she'll just be sitting there filming herself. And in this one, she's got a straightening iron with a a, a, a kernel of like unpopped popcorn, and she just sitting the there, popcorn. just waiting for it. Yeah, just waiting for the popcorn to pop, and then she'll sit there. And if you buy her, if you donate money to her, little things will pop up, like a you know ice cream logo. She'll pretend to eat it. Seven thousand bucks a day. Incredible. Isn't that crazy? Mm, Man, ice cream's so myself. good. Yep. <laughs> Someday we'll get it. Gang, gang. Someday we'll get it. And you said guys are doing this. They're actually making money doing this. I haven't seen I think there's a couple of guys getting I haven't seen that. I've just been fascinated by this because I've been reading up on it. And I was try, I'm trying to get Isabel to kind of, you know, like, let's go. Your wife. Yep. Yeah. You know, like, uh, just secondary income. Let's get some more. You know, let's do it. Come on. Really? Yeah, come You're on. You're pushing your wife to do this. Yeah. She's got nice feet. People like that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> God, I'm trying to think. Oh, you know, you know, who actually made some money off her feet. Um, Chrissy, really? Yeah, Chrissy got our old producer, a couple producers back. Chrissy got approached out of all places, a car wash. Okay. And some guy was like, "I just want to take a picture of your feet. I'll give you 200 bucks." That's awesome. And she was like, "She said yes, right?" Yeah. Awesome. That's crazy. Two hundred dollars, right there, just for giving. I a mean, picture I figured it led to some sort of scam, but she didn't say anything. Right. I mean, she, she should be. If, if their feet caught someone's eye at a car wash, she should be up. Was feet up in the air? That's TikTok. the thing. Is that the scam is is that the two hundred dollars was they then flipped that picture for probably like twenty thousand dollars. Oh, you think? Yeah. You think he's just collecting? Yeah. Okay. I had, you know, I had a uh, a sort of uncle who used to take pictures with other people's dogs. Right. You should just walk up to people and, hey, can I get a picture of your dog? With your dog? Like him yeah, yeah. like this? And then give them the camera, and they're like, I'm going to hold the dog. That's weird. <laughs> That's weird. All right, big weekend for the Aviators. they got a bunch of giveaways. Tonight, as they're celebrating their 40th anniversary, they got a uh, T-shirt giveaway, a commemorative T-shirt. So the game uh, starts at 7.05, gates open at 5.30. Tomorrow is laptop case giveaway day, and then uh, they've got Las Vegas Stars throwback. Jersey Ooh, that's Sunday. cool. So every day is a giveaway at LV Ballpark. So get out and see the Aviators against Sugarland this weekend. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Alright, rolling on, getting ready for Spence and Crawford. Fight tomorrow, 5 o'clock with the pay-per-view. Main event starts a little later than that. You know boxing. It's Cofield on the road. John Von Tobel, Cofield and Company. ESPN Las Vegas. DeMond's back in our Finley Toyota studios. I was texting some people I hadn't seen earlier in the day. Uh, Want to give odds on uh, Luke Thomas or our buddy Ariel answering interview requests? Um, Luke Thomas plus 220. Okay. Yes. Ariel plus 1,200. Yep, I like that. Yeah. I like that. He answers my text one in ten times. Yeah. And then when he does come out, he's like, well, you never reach out to me. I'm like, we do. You ever show him all the text messages? All the, we like, here do. you go. Well, he also got me on this front because I have a – I think I texted a landline a bunch of times. It didn't pop back as a landline. Uh, okay. So then he was he, you know, he was like busting my chops with Adam Hill. Like, oh, he's texting me on a landline. He's getting mad at me. I'm like, it's a cell phone. Okay. So we'll see what we can get later on. All right, let's go. Let's uh, yeah. introduce him to me. We can network and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. You know, Demond, I'll, I'll put in a good word for you. Uh, just a little while ago, I caught up with the uh, the main voice on the fights. By the way, Al Bernstein, former ESPN Las Vegas host, walking around, legendary boxing announcer. Former VSIN host. Yes, just performed last night over at Tuscany. And you're right, former VSIN host. Yep. But I caught up with Brian Custer, 
who was on the call of this fight has really become a fixture in the world of boxing. We just got into it. It's Vegas. Are you loving the scene? Man, it's great to be in Vegas. Love it. I love this town. It's hot as the devil here. I think I saw Satan <laughs> sitting on the corner drinking lemonade. That's how hot it is here in Vegas. Well, I, I swear around the arenas and stadiums here because all the concrete, it's just it's like 10 degrees hotter. So yeah. It's crazy, but we've got a great fight here. And, you know, in boxing, we want to make great fights. So you got Spence and Crawford. Um, I, I want to break it down in a couple minutes from the hardcore standpoint. I was told by some boxing people, you know, this is a good rivalry with the fans. Yeah. Um, can you explain that, that it's going to be pretty heated on both sides? Let me tell you something. All you had to do was come to the press conference on Thursday and see how the families reacted when the fighters got up there. I mean, the families were getting ready to fight. You go to – brothers know you go to any barber shop and you say, Spence Crawford, who you got? And you, they'll get ready to fight you when you tell them who your pick is because they're that passionate – against uh, when it comes to Bud Crawford or when it comes to Errol Spence Jr. I mean, it is, I've rarely seen two passionate fan bases when it comes to a fight of this magnitude. Why do you think that's happening with these guys? I, I think because they're both great. Yeah. And you look at it, I mean, hell, Bud Crawford, both unbeaten, both world champions. Uh, I mean, Spence has got three of the belts. Bud's already got, he's had that belt for so long. Bud's knocked out everybody that he's faced at welterweight. Spence's you know, taking everybody's belts. And I think that's why. I mean, these fan bases are rocking with their guy because they feel like that their guy is pound for pound best fighter in the world. Brian Custer's with us on ESPN Las Vegas, uh, Cofield and Company. We're at the uh, media center here for Spence and Crawford. The fight goes down tomorrow. Showtime coverage starting as early as 3 o'clock. Grab the pay-per-view at 5 o'clock. All right, give me the reasons why Spence can win the fight. Spence will win the fight if he just beats him, if he's himself. Apply pressure and try to wear this guy down. Um, don't try to box because, you know, listen, Crawford's a master technician when it comes to boxing as well. But you have to be yourself and you have to go to that body and you have to do what you've been the recipe of success. And that is break people's will. And that's what Errol Spence has done. He's been the master of that. If I'm Bud Crawford, I use my length. Bud Crawford's got the longer arms. And, and, and if you're honest about it, Bud, Bud Crawford's the one who has the knockout power, the one-punch knockout power, uh, as opposed to Errol. Errol takes you out by a, an accumulation of punches. Bud, one punch, boom, you can be dropped and hurt. So I think if you're Bud, you use your length, you use that jab, you switch when you have to to try to confuse him, but you use that length and you try to get him with looping shots and shots that he doesn't see, set those traps, and win this fight that way with your athleticism and some subtle movement. You mentioned some of the positives with Crawford. I heard Keith Thurman mention something interesting, and I guess we should think about this when we break down fights across the board. He mentioned that Spence had never faced an athlete like Crawford. Can you explain that? Why why that's an extra advantage to be athletic? I mean, they're yeah. all athletic. Yes. But why is Crawford considered uber athlete? Well, because you look at it, you know, Bud Crawford, people don't realize Bud Crawford could be an elite wrestler if he wanted to. He is, I mean, his daughter is a track, and she's only like nine or 10 o'clock. Uh, nine or ten years old and has set all kind of records i mean the athletic gene that the crawford family has is amazing and this guy is amazing his movement uh the way he moves and bud is the type of guy and it, it may be awkward but if you watch video he can move in his subtle movement and still hit you with these looping shots that a lot of guys would get caught with but because he's so athletic he gets away with it in his reach. And I think that's some of the things that Keith is talking about. 
And I think that's one of the things that Errol has has talked about in his camp. I need to be cognizant of when this guy switches because when he's switching, he's trying to set me up for something, and I need to realize that and know that there's a shot coming. Brian Custer, Showtime with Cofield and Company. So it's one of these guys wins in dominant fashion. What does that do for them moving forward? Well, I think if, let's, let's start with Errol Spence Jr. You win in dominant fashion. You know, we just have a three-fight deal with Canelo Alvarez. He's going to fight Jamel Charlo. You win that fight, I think there will be a lot of people who want to see Errol Spence Jr. fight the winner of that and want, would love to see him, really? I think, to be honestly, fight Canelo in Texas at Cowboy Stadium. What weight would that be at? Yeah, I mean, that, I mean that's, that's a big gap right now, right? It. Well, you know, Errol's already said, He's already told me that this is his last fight at 147. Okay. Even if they if they have a rematch, he's like, we 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 have to fight at a higher weight. Where can he safely go? Can he go to 160? I think probably 160, okay. definitely, okay. Uh, definitely. So you would have to you would have to negotiate a catch weight, I think, with with Canelo if you're going to do that. Um, I think for Bud Crawford, man, sky's the limit. I mean, you you do this and you become undisputed. The one guy he wants more than anybody besides Errol is Jamel Charlo. Those two cannot stand one another. But Bud Crawford, you can he's he's so natural there at 147. Hell, he could he could fight not only Jamel Charlo and go up, but he could also fight Keith Thurman, who he hasn't they've had a little back and forth with. There's a number and then to be honest with you, there's a number of people who would like to see him fight Jerome Boots Ennis. Both of these guys fight Jerome Boots Ennis as well. Showtime broadcast coming up 5 o'clock with a pay-per-view uh, here in Vegas. We're at the media tent. Brian Custer is on the broadcast with our good buddy Al Bernstein, who, of course, used to do yes. radio with us at ESPN mm-hmm. Las Vegas and Abramares as well. I want to close on this. When we get you on, we usually will throw in an NFL question. You cover all sports. Yeah. And I know you were you know, close to – you were covering the Jets yeah. for a while. Mm-hmm. All right. Kind of interesting offseason for the Jets. Great. Choices. And then interesting day yesterday. For some reason, Sean Payton started to get into Nate Hackett. Then yes. Robert Sala was like, okay, you want to talk now? We don't play till week four. Right. Now, I don't know what the hate is here. Yeah. Now the Jets kind of have a common enemy yeah. a few weeks into the season. Uh, what are your expectations for the Jets? Look, I, I think that you look at the first six games, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. And then I listen, I know there are a number of Jets fans just being living in the area there. They, they believe that this team is going to roll off and be four and two. I, I just don't see it. <laughs> I don't see it. I, I think it'll be more like two and four. That's me. <laughs> but listen, Right now, he and Gary Wilson look so good. I mean, that chemistry. The best thing for the Jets is that Aaron Rodgers bought in because he's mad about how it ended in Green Bay, that he came to OTAs. Didn't do that in Green Bay. And look what happened at the beginning of the season in Green Bay. He's there. He's invested. And he's developed that chemistry with them guys. So I will give you that. Now, the only thing is, now, if they get Dalvin Cook, I may change my mind about that start. Yeah. Because now all of a sudden you got you got a legit running game and some high class weapons. Look out, Jets. Yeah, so uh, you, got, you got a motivated Aaron Rodgers. Yes. And then we saw the action a couple of days ago. He renegotiated his contract. Yes. So, by the way, he would never do. Never do with Green get Bay. all the money he was going to get with Green Bay. $30 million pay cut. And now it could pay off Absolutely. with Dalvin Cook. Absolutely. There you go. Brian Custer talking a little Jets at the end. By the way, he goes over to Dallas like 10 minutes later, sitting right next to me, and he's like, Ah, you know, I live in Jersey. All I got to talk about is the Giants and the Jets all the time. Oh. I'm like, whoa, bro, uh, come on. <laughs> we used to work, he used to he cover the Jets. He did he uh, did you did he say it loud enough for you to hear? You I, think looked that's what he was I looked doing? at him and I gave him the chin flick. I'm yeah. like, come on, man, come on, it's a big story. 
right? We're going to get to that in a little bit. Sean Payton talking trash because Robert Sala and, uh, well, Hackett didn't respond, but Sala did. So, uh, And then we have one of our radio friends in New York, Brandon Tierney, reacted, oh, yeah. <laughs> reacted as well. All right, we're all set up here uh, talking Spence and Crawford. The pay-per-view is coming up uh, tomorrow. Weigh-in is going down uh, right now. Pay-per-view starts at 5 o'clock. By the way, if you really want some insight on the fight, Showtime does a really good job of previewing the fight with all access. I think they're upwards of, like, uh, over 3 million views with Episode 1 and Episode 2. So check it out on Showtime. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. You know, for Raiders fans, Broncos are a gigantic rival. Um, I don't dislike the Broncos themselves. Their fans are pukes. I got very spoiled when they had a hell of a run with QBs with Elway, and then they win the Manning sweepstakes. But, you know, that, that changes. My guy. That changes the franchise. Yeah, you're originally... Your guy, so their fans are kind of pukes. Um, well, now we have another reason, potentially, to dislike the Denver Broncos, and that is their coach who, I don't know what he was doing. Like, bro, you're a coach again. You're not doing spots with Colin Cowherd. You're not an analyst on Fox. Right. And the way he spoke yesterday, going after, you know, I didn't mind, hey, we got to change the, the culture. You know, it was kind of it was messy last year, but then taking shots at – at Hackett, naming and the, him, and the Jets heard it, and yep. naming him, which people never do. Uh, our good buddy Brandon Tierney, who used to be out here doing Sports Fan Radio Network, you know, twenty years ago, is on FAN, and this is part of the conversation when he was talking about Sean Payton hammering the Jets. I love Sean Payton. He's I, we, we've hung out with him. He's a, now he's dead to me. He's dead to me. <laughs> yeah, <All right. laughs> that's it. It's all it takes. That's it. Dead to me. I don't know. He's hung out with him. What was that? Was a good name drop? Right. And we hung out. It happens that quick. Now he's dead to me. That is tyranny. Do you think he really does have a good relationship with Sean Payton, or is that just one of those things like, you know, Errol Spence, you know, I like the guy. But now you know what he's dead to me. We, you know, remind me to mention the the uh, tyranny claim that he's hung out with him because Adam Hill actually did hang out with Hackett last year at the Combine in Indy, and he never really talked about this on the air, and I probably shouldn't mention it, but he, li- he liked him a lot. Yeah. Literally breaking a little bread, kind of a casual atmosphere. He's like, oh, I love him. I'm like, okay. See what happens. Yeah. And we saw what happened. Uh, here's a little more of the, the WFN personality. By the way, he is a hardcore Jets fan. Right. Uh, when he was here, uh, he and I actually lived together. So we lived and died the, we with the Jets. It's always up and down. He's a lunatic. He is a complete lunatic. One interview, he manages to completely marginalize the Jets roster and like their, their vision and their direction and how they like – their whole franchise – and in the next sentence, he destroys the offensive coordinator who helped win one of the most athletic, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, multiple MVPs. October 8th, Jets 37, Broncos 13. Yeah! <laughs> that's how you do it. And that's not, that's not fake. That's not a bit. Let's go. We need it. Yeah, there was. By the way, two teams that I fully expect to maybe max out at nine wins. Yes. Like, Peyton's talking trash. Like, dude, I think you know what you're walking into. This is a very messy situation. Maybe you will turn around Russell Wilson, or maybe that's Russ for the rest of his career. And I'll I'll tell you on the the Jets thing, I know they're excited about Aaron Rodgers. And last year they faltered. Well, they faltered because they had quarterback issues, so he helps that situation. But I still feel like that team was in a building process. This doesn't instantly jump them from a freaking – 
six or seven win team to one that we expect to win 11, does it? No, I mean. But there are people who think that way. For what, New York or Denver? Jets. For the Jets. I don't, I. Pressure's on. I think that the success of Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford in their new spots has then allowed this to kind of happen. Look, I mean, it happened with the Colts, right? Yep. I, the, the Colts got Matt Ryan, and the thought was that, hey, man, look, like this thing's going to go. Steaming it's along. great. Let's keep this going. Colts tried it multiple times, and it kind of worked for Phillip Rivers. I mean, they lost by three to the Bills, but they got to the playoffs. Tried it with Carson Wentz. Tried it with Matt Ryan. The other two sides didn't really doesn't work. Doesn't always work with an old quarterback. Uh, no, it doesn't. So, I, But I do think that the, the heights reached by the mercenary quarterback era that has yeah. been Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford have caused that. But it was weird, too, with Peyton, like, bringing the Jets in with it and talking about, like, ah, you know, look at the Jets. They're doing it here with hard knocks and all that kind of stuff. I was like, I don't think they had a choice for hard knocks. <laughs> so I don't know. It's weird to kind of throw them in there and to continue doing it. But, I mean, I guess eventually we'll find out week four. It's not the Hackett revenge game, though. I, I don't care about that. The offensive no. coordinator doesn't get revenge. Now it's about the Jets and Sala and, and taking shots at him. Let's do this. I'm completely down with it. absurd. Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company. Caleb is with us. What's up, buddy? What's up, guys? How you doing? Uh, we're out at Radio Row for the big boxing match this weekend, Spence and Crawford. You know, interesting comment earlier from Brian Custer, who's on the fight. Uh, he, like yourself, is African-American. Let's be very formal. Uh, he was talking about this fight being a big hit at the barbershop. So I'll lean on you. I don't know the last time you went to the actual barbershop, but you had talked a few weeks ago about some buzz about UNLV getting a commit in the uh, 2024 class with running backs. Um, any talk about this fight? So I didn't hear any about this fight. Um, and it's been a while since I've been to the barbershop, not in the recent week. So that last time we talked, it was, it was you know, that day before. I just got out of the shop, so I was fresh. Um, but uh, this I have been, so I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on uh, right. in the barbershop. Maybe I'll go uh, just hang out, just be that guy sitting in the barbershop just to well, get in on the conversation. If it's a classic, then maybe they'll still be talking about it two weeks afterwards. Uh, let's get into a bunch of NFL stories here. First, uh, John, we were talking about betting the Raiders yesterday what's popped up now uh well uh, todd dewey over at the rj was you know just had a nice piece about some of the more popular betting topics uh in the national football league and one of the hot commodities is betting the raiders under uh, shockingly enough a lot of people including ed sammons over at the uh Superbook, believe that the raiders even if they i think the, the quote from ed was if they lost jimmy garoppolo they would be one of the lowest power rated teams if not the lowest power rated team in the nfl well that's interesting yeah I wonder what the drop down from Garoppolo to say Hoyer or O'Connell is in terms of the point spread. Is it like four or five? It's not bigger than that, right? It's got to be around four to five, maybe even more. Because okay. remember, always with point spreads, it's not about the individual. It is the difference between the individual and the guy behind him. That is what makes a point spread yeah. difference. So you know, you're not going to move seven points from t- if you lose Tom Brady to Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, it's never a depth chart, but you get my point. There'd be no difference as opposed to Tom Brady I mean, to Hoyer. This number under seven is like minus one seventy. So Caleb, you hear that? You think they're a lock to go under seven? Is that considering without Jimmy Garoppolo? Or no, but right now it's with, it's, I mean, it's, it's with Garoppolo. I mean, obviously it must be handicapped in that he isn't durable. I mean, he already had a day off, Caleb, right? He, they already rested him one day. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not looking good. I mean, that's looking real NBA-ish. If you're planning on resting during the season, I mean, with a short football season, there's not, you know, there's no room for that. You're going to have some losses because of that. Um, I would say, I mean, just considering Jimmy Garoppolo, the, first of all, the, the toughness of the division, I don't think there's any gimmies in the division. Um, you have to play those teams twice, so that's already putting you behind the eight ball. I'm not saying that the Raiders aren't going to win any division games, but I'm saying there's a scenario where I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. 
Um, and I don't think having not having a quarterback um, solidified, even if Jimmy is there, it's his first year with the Raiders. He's worked with Josh McDaniels before in the past, and obviously there's some familiarity there. Um, but this is a whole new offense. It's a whole new team. The defense still, in my opinion, hasn't been addressed enough in the offseason or in free agency to make a, a considerable difference to say we're a defensive team or our defense isn't going to give 28 points a game. Um, so I don't see uh, seven as an outrageous number. The under wouldn't be that outrageous to me if you took that. Um, it could be a down year. And again, based on the indications of how the Raiders moved this offseason, I would say that they're not in a win-now mode. They have um, pretty much a, a slow-paced, long-game approach, at least what we've seen so far in the way they've drafted and selected their players in free agency. So we'll see if that's the case. But under seven doesn't seem all that crazy of a number to me. I, I can see some people getting in on that and taking that as a solid bet for the Raiders. Cofield and company just outside of uh, T-Mobile getting ready for the big fight tomorrow. Spence and Crawford pay-per-view on Showtime starts at 5 o'clock tomorrow. We're talking football with Caleb Herring, the former UNLV quarterback. Uh, some more looks around the NFL. Barkley gets some incentives. I'm a little disappointed as a uh, as a labor guy. You know, viva la revolution. you gotta you got to hold out. Uh, I thought Jacobs and Barkley were bonded together. Apparently not. So a lot of the talk last week turned into, hey, this is unreal. Barkley gets a little bonus. Maybe he can make like $11.5, 12000000 $12 Daniel Jones is getting north of 40 What the hell? Quarterbacks versus running backs. RG3 tried to stir the pot, and then Caleb comes over the top, and he says, don't do this. What do you mean by that? I, I think it, it's what, what RG3 was doing with his tweet was comparing Daniel Jones' salary to Saquon Barkley's, which everybody knows that on the surface is a, is a losing game, right? You're not going to compare a quarterback to a running back salary in any other situation. Why would you do it here? Um, I think the locker room is already pretty fragile. I think whenever a player's threatening or thinking about holding out for contract reasons, it, it brings tension in the team. Um, however much it, it, it depends on the team, I guess, the locker room. But the narratives get out there, and then it becomes Daniel Jones money versus Saquon, as if the Giants aren't paying Saquon or giving him a big contract based on the fact that they gave Daniel Jones and I think in an RG3's word, an overpaid salary. And when I thought about that, I started to think like, well, what do you mean overpaid? Like there's, there's the quarterback market, which is by all accounts, the quarterback market is skyrocketing. It's moving up. If you look at some of the recent contracts, including Daniel Jones's, which he's actually on the lower end of some of the more recent ones. But if you look at like the guys that have signed this year alone, and I'm thinking about three off the top of my head with Joe Burrow pending, but you got Justin Herbert just signed north of 200 million. Uh, you got uh, obviously Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts made history with their signings at quarterback. Uh, you have uh, Kyler Murray who made some some big money, and he's not even available for his team. And then of course whatever Joe Burrow is going to get is going to be even more than some of those guys. So you look at jo- uh, excuse me, uh, Daniel Jones, and you look at his contract and say overpaid. Based on the quarterback market, there's no way. He's not even close to being overpaid. Maybe he's, you know, middle of the pack as far as the averages go for, for recent this year contracts or this or, or last year's contracts. Um, but he's nowhere near overpaid for a quarterback. When you look at the running back situation and Saquon Barkley, who RG3 said is underpaid, I'm guessing based on the team value, um, Saquon Barkley is like sixth or fifth now, depending on which, if you're looking at the one-year deal, uh, as far as how much he makes per year. So the, the argument or trying to, to pit the quarterback of one team against the running back in, in, in another team, one, it's disrespectful to Daniel Jones because he's earned his money as a quarterback. He had a great season last year by all indications. His third down efficiency was one of the best. That's why the Giants were a playoff team. Um, he played well at quarterback. 
Um, Saquon Barkley being there was a plus, don't get me wrong, and his contributions to the team are great, but the quarterback is the most important piece. Um, and Daniel Jones had a good year. He made the, made the playoffs um, for his team. So in a contract year at that. So that's why he got paid um, according to the quarterback market. To compare him to a running back's pay or to insinuate that those two are at all linked within one team is just misinformation. I think it does nothing but create a narrative that doesn't need to be there. Uh, Daniel Jones is a worthy starting quarterback, and he proved it last year like everybody demanded of him to do. Um, and Saquon Barkley, whether he's been there or not, uh, Daniel Jones has been the one getting the blame for why the Giants succeed or don't succeed. So why should it change now? Those contracts should never be compared. Saquon should get his money. He should get everything he's worth. But that's determined by the running back market, not by what Daniel Jones got this offseason. All right, more money. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, $35 million pay cut. And I know on your own social media as well, you zeded out, not tweeted out, zeded out, uh, <laughs> that Aaron Rodgers, uh, you were surprised by the discount? I think, you know, all indications by Aaron Rodgers prior to the, to the two seasons before and the way he kind of moved in Green Bay uh, and the contract he took in Green Bay when his contract was up then, the amount of money that was loaded into that um, kind of indicated that he wasn't really about sacrificing for the greater good of the team from a salary cap standpoint. Uh, this was a surprising move because I think, it, one, it went against those previous two years and, and how things kind of ended in Green Bay. It kind of indicates he's a happier person. I think happier people sacrifice money more often. I don't know if that's true. I'm just making that up, but sounds right. Um, so it seems like he's happier with the situation the Jets. And then he feels like, this is kind of what it would indicate to me, he feels like it's closer to Super Bowl or contention for Super Bowl than maybe he thought on, on the onset when he first got to New York. So some of the things he's maybe seen since he got there uh, allow him to say maybe we're a couple pieces or one piece away from really being a Super Bowl contending team. So... Let me go ahead and make the sacrifice. And you look at things like Dalvin Cook making a visit this weekend, potentially to sign and add some depth to the running back room. Um, those things are, are looking good for Jets fans. And obviously trying to keep that defense intact beyond just this season is obviously a big part of, of him making that sacrifice as well. So it's a very team-oriented move by Aaron Rodgers, and I don't think anybody would have expected that from him um, based on the way he was moving in the last few years at Green Bay. Caleb Herring on Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas. Give me your best observation from watching however much you've watched of Netflix quarterback? So I've completed it. I binge-watched it. It was that good for me. I got hooked, and I, wow. I sat there and just watched the whole thing. Um, I think it was, number one, a good look at uh, football players in general, but quarterbacks specifically, um, kind of beyond, behind the veil, so to speak, of, of the day-to-day -day life of an NFL player. Um, I think we don't get that a lot. We only get the football side of things. Even with Hard Knocks, as great as that show is, it's only about football. I think going... To see Kirk Cousins at home and playing with his kids and immediately after a game taking his stuff off and, and, and going right into you know bedtime routine with the kids was was sort of a look at the side that people don't get trying to balance that um, you know Patrick Mahomes even as obnoxious as it was at points for me to watch Patrick Mahomes taking birthday pictures and and you know doing the whole shebang with his family was was I mean it's, it's a part of the thing it's a part of the gig then obviously there's the work of the quarterback it's not just you know showing up on Sunday or showing up when it's mandatory to show up. It's being the only guy in the building sometimes. Uh, uh, one of the things I always talk to you about is the play calling from the NFL that's so different than college. And uh, getting a, get to hear that, I don't know how much they gave us. They probably didn't give us the most oh complicated plays. Yeah. But hearing some of the plays <laughs> that they had to echo back and just being yeah. able to see it, that's some of the difficult stuff that goes into in and out of being a quarterback, making the checks on the line with those complicated play calls in the huddle. 
Um, again, it's probably why quarterbacks make more than anybody else on the team. Just, just saying. But there's there's a lot demanded of quarterbacks, and I think Peyton Manning said it in the opening of the show. He's the producer of the show. I think he said it's the hardest position in sports, and that's debatable. But I would tend to agree with him. It's the hardest position to play in sports, and I think that show was a great. Uh, you know, there's some storytelling that was just the luck of the draw, having Patrick Mahomes and having the season he had. But I think uh, getting it behind the scenes of a lot more quarterbacks would be fun. We'll see. A lot of people have turned it down. We'll see if they somebody picks up the tab for the next season of quarterbacks, which has already been greenlit by uh, by Netflix. Caleb, I want to switch gears over to UNLV, and you'll have an answer for this from both perspectives, being a recruit and being a current player on the team back when you were. When the team announces a game against, let's say, a Power 5 opponent five years into the future, <laughs> as a recruit, does that do anything for you? Like, hey, we're going to be playing – let's say, Washington in a couple of years. And as a current player, do you care at all? They're like, hey, we're doing so good that now we, we're, we're raising the profile of the team that we can now play those Power 5 opponents in the future. I think there might be like a little bit of a hindsight as a current player to say like, oh, in 2028, we're going to be playing this team. I'm not going to be there. Um, you know, that's, that's probably what you think first. Like, wow, that's good for them, whoever they are, uh, to be able to play that. I think so as a current player, if it's the next year, maybe you're excited. Um, maybe you get an opportunity to stay around if you're thinking that route. If you want to go the GA route and maybe still be a part of the staff, that could be interesting. But um, from a recruit standpoint, you're looking at different time frames. I would say it, it's hard to say you would be excited. I could say if you're coming in next season and you know that that's projected in the time frame that you're going to be a player there, um, then yeah, you, you, you probably will be excited about it. But Looking at it this way, 2028, which the announcement for Washington is, is, is I, I believe, what you're alluding to. That announcement, um, players who would be in that recruiting class are probably freshmen, I would say, freshmen or sophomores maybe at this time in, in high school. And this is not a dig on, on anybody, uh, but at that time, maybe your aspirations are, I'm going to be playing at Washington or I'm going to be playing at a school that's that big. So you have to be in that mindset as a player. So we'll see if that's the case. I, I know it is good to say that your trajectory is going upwards as a program, so that could be good for recruiting in that aspect. All right, I was going to ask, you know, actually first off, because I saw you were pretty active here, best photo you've seen from UNLV football has been what? Because I know you've been pretty active in looking at some of these pictures. Uh, let's see. So I'm, I'm going to have some bias here, and I'm going to go with Doug's picture. I don't know if you yeah. guys could could say the Doug with the chain. He's holding it up, kind of, uh, kind of flashing it a little bit. It's a, it's a custom chain, I think. It says DB. I'm assuming for Doug Brumfield. So that that one's pretty cool. A lot of the photos that were up from the uh, the photo shoot, I'm gonna call it the photo shoot at Allegiant Stadium, were pretty cool. Just, I mean, it, it's an exciting time. I think. Allegiant Stadium as a backdrop for any picture as an athlete is awesome. You don't get that anywhere else across the country as a college football player. So I think those, all of those photos have been pretty cool. Um, there's been some cool videos, too, that I think are, are catching some people's eye on social media, the videos of the workouts and just trying to, I guess, call them hype videos for the season, which is around the corner now. Like looking at it kind of gets everybody excited. But I would say Doug's picture, and that's the quarterback bias maybe, but I think that one uh, probably pops to me the most. Caleb Herring is with us. John? I was just going to ask really quick because, you know, I was going to tie that into as we're looking at it, right? We're about a week, maybe a little bit longer from camp getting started. You know, the excitement's drumming up. What are you most excited to get your eyes on first when you get out to camp? Um, I'm, t I'm excited to see how Doug's grown because he, this is the first offseason he's gone without being in competition, and we're going to see him taking the majority of the reps as a one. So we're going to see how that impacts the start of fall camp. Um, I'm excited to see how the defense has evolved, especially the impact of guys who are new. I guess we haven't even seen them because spring to now, there's been so many guys that have transferred in on the defensive side of the ball. 
and I want to see what that looks like when it turns uh, when it turns into the full speed version of the defense. It's already been multiple, but we'll see if it gets even more multiple as as this thing gets rolling in fall camp. Caleb, good job, man. We'll uh, we'll see you soon. And reminder to everyone: Barry Odom Radio Show starts up on August thirtieth, six o'clock on Wednesdays. Caleb Herring is one of the hosts of the show. Have a good weekend. All right, you guys do the same. Take care out there. There he is, Caleb Herring. Yeah, I know when I go out next week to uh, whenever the media is allowed at camp, Mm -hmm. there's like 35 guys I haven't seen. That's not for lack of trying. We're new to the program. Uh, We told you at the beginning of the week that they had added a couple of Power 5 transfers. Like, at the last minute, I'm looking on the roster, and some dude named Javon Grigsby, who got a little playing time with Purdue, Mm -hmm. safety cornerback, he's now on the roster. Another Arkansas player who's a preferred walk-on at Arkansas, another linebacker is in the fold in, I think it's Jordan Hanna. So they're adding players left and right. So camp's going to be crazy trying to meld all these players, learn about them, and be ready for the opener on September 2nd.